0: Welcome to the Beyond Darkness Dialogues with Nana and Nadia. This is a podcast about artistic practice and artistic research and it's a place for us to share our dialogues with people that inspire us during our collective artistic journey with Beyond Darkness as well as a space for knowledge sharing in general and exchanging ideas with you. Today we're talking to Gru Vohalberg who is the founder and artistic director of the performance group Sisters Hope. Her works unfold at the intersection of immersion, intervention, activism, research and pedagogy, with often large-scale durational performances, which explore different aspects of what they call a sensuous society. Gru is also a member of our board of directors, and after our wonderful dialogue with her, we participated as visiting inhabitants at Sisters Hope Home, which is a five-year durational artwork and platform for artistic research. We hope you will enjoy our dialogue as much as we did.
1: Hi, cool. Hi. We are extremely excited to uh, having you here on the Beyond Darkness podcast. And just to get started, we would like to ask you to tell a little bit about yourself and your artistic practice. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so my name is uh, Gryborg Helber and I am the artistic director of a performance group called Sisters Hope. And I am working in the intersection of performance art activism, research, and education. Education could actually be an X because that's whatever context I move into. Mm. Um, I have recently submitted an artistic research PhD about my work uh, with Sisters Hope, the project Sisters Academy, and another project I did called Dome of Visions, which is a curatorial project and a space. And I am, yeah... I'm currently um, establishing a space called Sister's Hope Home mm-hmm. which I'm quite excited about because it's a space intended for more permanent access to the Sensuous and poetic. Mm-hmm. So lastly I could say that I wrote this manifest called the Sensuous Society Manifesto uh, as a response in 2008 to the financial crisis of that time and the ongoing ecological crisis mm-hmm. Which could be relevant, maybe in the face of any crisis, also the current pandemic and the ongoing overarching climate crisis and the social crises of discrimination um, mm-hmm. witnessed in movements recently, as Me Too and Black Lives Matter, and so forth. So any form of crisis, maybe this could be seen as a response to mm-hmm. this uh, vision of a future society called Sensual society, which is beyond economic rationality and uh, based and rooted in the aesthetic dimension by which I mean the sensuous and poetic so all my work takes its starting point in this thinking mm-hmm. and this a desire to evoke another way of being in the world borrowing from the arts or the aesthetic realm mm-hmm. as that is the space where the sensuous and poetic is activated
0: yeah mm. yeah <laughs> and it sounds so great, and we've been following your work, of course, uh, for a while. Um, in a group. <laughs> yes, and it just resonated with so many elements that we are uh, interested in and that we are looking into for Beyond Darkness and... Um, it was lovely when uh, Solveig get She was telling us, "You absolutely have to talk to queens." Uh, mm-hmm. Just and then the first time we talked, it also felt like so much resonated mm-hmm. with us. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think uh, it's really great that you're gonna share some more thoughts with us. Yes. <clears throat> so you talk about uh, the PhD that you wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you titled it "Sensuous Society: Carving the Path Towards a Sustainable Future." Mm-hmm and um, it's an artistic research which spanned over more or less 10 years, right? Mm. Yeah. And we were wondering if you could explain in what way your work can be considered as artistic research and what elements and methods you used throughout.
2: Yeah, so I started the PhD in 2016, but before that I knew I was always interested in research. Mm -hmm. That's also why in the Sisters Hope logo, research is one of the parameters. Mm Uh, So I knew from the beginning, or since at least, as you say, the last decade, that how can I produce um, material, reflective material, that enlightens what happens in these artistic spaces. Mm -hmm. And that has then now become my data, Mm -hmm. or reflective material that informs what is going on in the sensuous and poetic space. Um, So I think... The way the way that I have uh, used this material is that, you know, there have been so many participants through experiencing the work, and they all donate in Sisters Academy their notebooks, in Doma Visions notes and so forth, in the logbook and, and guestbook. And that informs what is going on while you are immersed in the senses and poetic. Mm. So I think also artistic research is also to explore what is going on in those processes because very often that is uh, it's tactile knowledge it's um, bodily knowledge it's not necessarily expressed or articulated mm-hmm. so it's also finding that language or uh, finding a way to reflect upon or express uh, and unpack what you could call the value of those processes uh, also to um, for me, I use the word democratize the aesthetic to open this space more and to make it accessible. Um, that's also linked to my activist intention. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think through artistic research processes, this unpacking yes. is happening. Mm-hmm. And and then for me specifically, I I do this unpacking with the support of all these participants. Mm-hmm. So it's not just me reflecting upon my own process. It's me getting all this information from all these participants who archive their experiences and that can then in, has then informed my analysis about uh, the impact mm. of the sentient and poetic because i'm really interested in that mm. because uh, and that's linked to the activist intention of the sensuous society because i would like to see that be taken more serious in society, generally, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. and to open it to more people mm-hmm. than those engaged in the art system only, mm-hmm. or exclusively, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. You also called your, your research an art-based research, right? Uh, yeah, I, I, now I just call it artistic research, because I think artistic research is, can be seen as an umbrella concept that... Um, in which, you know, art-based research, practice-based research, all mm-hmm. these different terminology is kind of um, held by the artistic research mm-hmm. terminology. Yeah. So now I use that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and But I have the subtitle, Through Aesthetic Inhabitation Stimulating Ecologic Connectedness.
0: I just it, find it really interesting that the experiences of the participants become your data Mm -hmm. and um, also in our research we have uh, we did writing in the dark sessions Mm -hmm. we have uh, reflection rounds that we record we have uh, people depending on what we had these sensorial um, uh, poems that we wrote uh, based on our very first sensory experience of the day and it's it's they become a thing on their own, of course, and it's a, I don't know, a trace or an experience, and but at the same time, it, it also becomes data for you, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. it's an interesting relationship to, to this, uh, yeah, donation, as you call mm-hmm. it, someone mm-hmm. donating something, because it's uh, very intimate in mm-hmm. a way, and you leave something very intimate in the hands of
2: uh, someone else or a group. Yeah, 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 and that's... So, in Sisters uh, Academy or in Sisters Hope, that's kind of structured within the interactivity design because we have an archive. Mm-hmm. So, and it's just called the archive. And it's there every time we manifest. So it's, it's, very, it's a very organic process for the participants because they receive the notebook uh, at the beginning and it's also a tool during the manifestation to reflect and write and to withdraw. Many people engage in lo- a lot in the notebooks because, you know, you can lie alone in your bed all right? Mm-hmm. and they're not instructed when to write or what to write, mm-hmm. you know. Sometimes after the poetic self-exercise, which is an exercise I typically do at one point during the manifestations, I ask them to write down reflections, but that's also to give them a space mm-hmm. before they come, you know, that they are back in the collective space because it becomes a singular space. Mm-hmm. So... It's very valuable also in what you could call the insectivity design. Mm-hmm. And then when they leave, they donate it to the archive as part of what we call the exist process. So that's kind of the process of leaving yeah. this potentially liminal space that, that the performance manifestation is. And it's very organic and it's also a part of reflecting for them. And they're asked by the protector of the archive, which is a performance function that takes care of the archive, they ask questions about their stay, so it also becomes part of their anchoring and integrating Mm -hmm. and letting go, and now I'm going back into the world. Mm -hmm. So in that way, it's very very intertwined and integrated to the whole uh, performance experience. It's not separated from that. Mm -hmm. And the archive is open source, Mm -hmm. so they don't give it to me specifically individually. They donate it to the archive, and they're told... And they write a consent that I donate it to the archive which is open source and can be accessed by anyone, researchers, visual artists, whoever is mm-hmm. interested in reading this. Um, so they themselves can go and visit yeah. it and write about it and use it like yeah. anyone could. Yeah. And when you go to the archive you just write to get an appointment and then that it would always be protected. So someone from Sister's Hope would be there to find uh, the boxes Mm -hmm. you want to read in. Um, So it's both a very integrated process into the experience, uh, interactivity design of the performance. And then it's an open source archive that they donate into the flow of knowledge and experiences Mm -hmm. of being in the Sanchez space. So there are thousands of notebooks now. So Mm -hmm. it's both, it's, I think that's, so for people it's just it's a it's an organic process mm-hmm. and it's part of existing not exiting but existing because we call it that because before we call it exiting, but people very often people don't want to leave. Yeah. So now it's like but it's good if you go to exist now it's that, you know. Mm-hmm. Now you go out and integrate mm-hmm. these yeah. centuries and poetic learnings into your everyday life independently yeah. of the space. Mm-hmm. So it's also but, and then it's a donation to inform and unpack the centuries and poetic more generally, you know, in mm-hmm. this open source archive.
1: Yeah. I just find it so beautiful that you call it data, yeah. because normally, like, at least when I think of data, I think of something very um, logical yeah. and uh, numbers and letters. And I think also source and photos yeah. of the archive, which can be uh, i don't know a little um a little pillow with something on or like it's it can also become like almost an art piece in itself so it's what what is the what
2: is the data yeah so um so also in my phd i have this i put data in uh, single quotation marks until i unpack what Mm -hmm. i mean by it Because, and you could also call it sensuous data, right? Because then you can just, like, a society, but a sensuous society, you know. Then it's kind of a way of saying, there is this structure, there is a schedule, but it's sensuous. You know, Mm -hmm. there is data, but it's sensuous data. What is that? So what it is, I think, is for us to unpack. Because it can probably be many things. Mm -hmm. But in the Sisters Archive, it's typically notebooks. In which people write and draw and rip pages out or, you know, and then it's objects, like you mm-hmm. saw. And the objects, that's typically donated from, because we, the performers, including me, we donate our notebooks as well. Mm-hmm. So we all donate it, so you could go in and read all the sisters' notebooks from all previous manifestations, you know. Um, so. But the objects is also typically from performers because we inhabit the space for, let's say, four weeks. Mm-hmm. So in that time, I accumulate letters. People send me letters mm-hmm. or, you know, internally within the space or I donate a feather that mm-hmm. I received in a special ritual. or And then it's from the visiting artists, teachers and researchers because we have this residency program within the space where people come for 48 hours at least to explore their own practice. Mm-hmm. And they... Bring objects and so forth in a suitcase, and then they do a small temporary tableau in front of their beds. So typically, visitings also donate, for example, stones if they have been working with stones, or mm-hmm. something like that. clay, or porcelain, or and and then it's uh, also with the performers. You know, it's also. Uh, the ones doing the sensuous learning classes, they accumulate a lot of material as well that they create together with the participants. or mm-hmm. yeah, So they donate that as well. Yeah. So, but it's also described, so when you visit the archive you can see what it is. Mm-hmm. This is a notebook from this and this manifestation from performers visiting students. Um, these are objects donated from visiting, so these are objects from sensuous learning classes of the untamed. or these are letters from the sister or Mm -hmm. yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. and we will install it in the sister's hope home Mm -hmm. currently it's been in the university in between manifestations but now we will move it to the sister's hope home so it will have like a at least five years we have that space so yeah. yeah
1: I guess it needs a bit of space because it's an archive that has objects. It needs a
2: space like this with Mm -hmm. shelves, you know, and it's just on all the shelves and in the notebook sign boxes and
1: yeah. yeah. Not the archives that we have now, that which are basically did, like
2: digital archives. Yeah that, that, this yeah. is an analog archive, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but actually we, we did we do want to digitalize it. We just don't know we need to find a partner, something mm-hmm. that can help us so it's accessible yeah. to people online. Yeah. We would actually like that, but we just haven't had the resources to do mm-hmm. it. Yeah. but um, it's of course a different experience, no matter what to visit the analog archive Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and you can really when i wrote my phd i was really like immersed in this material i got so moved by some of the books and really moved you know and so you can spend days in there and then in a way it's like being in a performance it like it came back physically sensationally bodily i felt it again so i was like okay that's great i can just if i have this craving or longing, <laughs> I can go to the archive and, mm-hmm. and read for a couple of days nonstop and then I'm there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was interesting to experience as well. Mm-hmm. And I had a reading group helping me where some of them, for the PhD reading, all this abundant material, and there was one also who had been in Sister's Academy and she was also, it's like, you know, I'm back in the liminal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, so that, and some of them, I had three, and the others hadn't experienced it. So it was also interesting to see how they read, mm-hmm. how they experienced just reading the material. Yeah. You know, afterward. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you talked about Sisters
1: Hope yeah. as a group. Yeah. And Nadia and I, we were very interested yeah. in uh, uh, collaboration and mm-hmm. collaboration processes. Mm-hmm. Um, like of course, Naj and I we work together, and that's one form of, mm. of, of a collaboration. We also now extending our collaboration, and mm-hmm. also think, uh, collectivity is something that can go beyond uh, mm-hmm. just yeah a, a certain group, but it can actually go beyond into a like um yeah a very large group of of mm-hmm. people, but. Specifically into sisters' hope. I wonder how you collaborate. Um, yeah, if you have any specific methods. Or, yeah, yeah.
2: So and so, so the thing is because I started this with my poetic twin sister, like you. <laughs> we were a duo, you know. So this is for me that this was very beautiful actually. Uh, but we were also I felt very connected to her, and I still do. But she chose to withdraw. Um, we started in 2007, she withdrew in 2014 uh, because of personal circumstances, it was while she was writing her PhD and that saddened me a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was overwhelmed by how sad I got actually. So I, I realized I'm more in a twin soup with her than I had realized yeah. before she was gone, it was painful. Um, that's also when you look at sister soap, uh, if you look at the photos, for example, when her and I are together, it's quite cheerful, it's like brown and white, and then she leaves and it becomes black. <laughs> and then, because I, that's where I, so I introduced this function called the cousin. It was, of course, inspired by Twin Peaks, you know, when the cousin comes, because but it's actually the same, and she was wearing a, a veil, and... Um, because then the cousin's body could be anybody, you know, anybody could step into that supporting function. And then I began to wear a veil as, we, as well, which felt like protection and liberty. And also, as you know, with dark, it's like partly dark. Mm-hmm. So there is also liberation in that in many different ways. And, and then I had the twins in 2017, and then it became red. For some reason, and now it's been very red. So I'm curious to see what happens next. So it's very intertwined with my personal biography. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but so but I said all that to say so it started as a, as a twinship. Then I became singular uh, because when her and I were together, we didn't really engage so many performers. We started mm-hmm. out just doing it as rituals for ourselves because we had a longing. Then we began to teach, actually, that was our process. But then when we did the first Sister's Academy, there was this, which is where she she withdrew. And then I was like, there's space. I need to fill out the space. And that became how uh, performers got involved, more performers. But then because it started out as her and I, I was the artistic director. So, you know, that engaged people. And so that's the structure we still have. Uh, but I think that what happens is that within this, so performers, but also set designers, sound, light, documentaristic, just grown and grown. What happens is that, so there is artistic directorship in Sisters Hope, but within the framework, everyone also very much contributes with their own practice mm. and uh, informs the work with their own practices and receives from the work. So it's this circular movement where the framework kind of inspires the individual practices and intention that comes in, that then again is this practice of a community that loops back into the frame. Yeah. So that's kind of how it, it is right now. Um, I'm very open to it evolving in different ways i don't so and i but i don't have a fixed idea in mind or structure it should be like this i'm kind of more curious to see how it evolves you Mm -hmm. know but yeah but that's the structure currently um i sometimes say that in sister's hope it's the frame that plays the lead role Mm -hmm. it's the frame it's no individual person it is this space it's this frame that holds everything but i happen to be the one who um kind of would never let that frame down. So I'm very much like mm. the frame keeper, or, you know, because I'm the one who insists, you yeah. know. And then over time, there are some who also begin to insist because they have been there then so much. Yes. And then, you know, then I feel like, okay. It sounds very organic, uh, like a very organic yeah. structure with a lot of
0: flexibility, fluidity, mobility, and yeah. um, space also for everyone to... yeah. yeah. To to sort of evolve in their own time in their own way within that framework. Right? Exactly.
2: Yeah. I think that's very much what it is. But and and, and then I keep that frame. Mm-hmm. You know, I have kind of committed or taken responsibility to keep that frame. Um and I also think a lot of people feel that they are part of a movement. That mm-hmm. Sister Soap is also like a movement because it's rooted in this intention of the sensual society, which people share that are part of the group. They share this intention so it's more that which unite people than practices because some Mm -hmm. are anthropologists some are performers some are opera singers some are retired ballet dancers some are just unemployed and don't know what to do yet young and like on their way to finding their path you know some are retired some are just it's very different people Mm -hmm. so it's not practices because also we have our own performance method that we have evolved so that's what people learn and work with but then of course informed by their own practices Mm -hmm. within that methodological framework Uh, but it's it's that people share the intention, that's what unites us Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it's that this intention to open the senses and predict to as many people as possible, to democratize the aesthetic to potentially move into a more sensuous society, that's what they are turned on by a critique of the current civilization mm-hmm. so that's the intention unites us you know mm-hmm. yeah I mean that leads perfectly into mm-hmm. how
0: like in your PhD you question how the sensuous might support the path towards a more sustainable future and um, so how did this like you you shared a little bit how this question came to you because of the frameworks of society mm-hmm. but also like maybe more precisely how, and then if you have
2: any answers to that question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um. Yeah. It's so. I think it's definitely rooted in this sense of crisis mm. that emerged, and but also the hopeful gesture of perceiving the crisis as an opportunity for something else to emerge, or the crack, you know, as a space where new things can mm. emerge from, um, and then. Also, from a personal desire to be more immersed in the sensuous and poetic, to feeling that that's a space as a performance artist, knowing, you know, entering into performance spaces, feeling I can breathe here, I can be who I am here, I can more people should have access mm-hmm. to this space, feeling that this is why is it so exclusive? Why is it so, only so few of us that has access to this space? Uh, and then this urge to what I call democratize it, to open it, which really like was born out of it, sensing how um, reparative and inspiring and wonderful it, it was for me personally to be in that space. Um, and then regarding this with the sustainable future, the sustainable, so sustainable, it's the word in the broadest sense, of course. So that's kind of linked to this thing that I experienced. Yeah, the reparative processes of being immersed in the sensuous and poetic, wanting to democratize that, thinking that this could have a broader healing potential. Mm-hmm. And also, as I write in the manifest, we move through society with an arm cut off, like without noticing the blood floating from our armpits. So many people maybe don't even realize what they're missing, because Mm. they don't engage in this senseless and poetic space. Uh, They don't get access. Mm. Um, And also then beginning to create these spaces and seeing how participants responded to it, Mm. and also in very different contexts, because we work interventionists as well, moving into schools or you know in the streets or different spaces, and then seeing people who don't normally have access or take access to the senseless and poetic felt. That it was so reparative and inspiring and healing and uh, yeah tender and and then so seeing i had the experience myself i can see that other people from very different walks in life respond more or less the same way okay so maybe it is maybe it is something we should really uh, do create these spaces to move beyond the current civilization um so seeing that ah, perhaps the road towards a more sustainable future is linked to sensuous experiences Mm -hmm. because people respond in this way Mm -hmm. Um, and then in my thesis I then try to unpack that
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, and I do that by combining aesthetic philosophy and uh, ecological theory especially ecological theory then informs my sensuous practice right, so aesthetics philosophy I mostly used to say by aesthetic, I mean sensuous, just to (laughs) clarify that, that it's not form or the way something looks which is often misunderstood in society broadly. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then engaging in this ecological theory and and seeing that, okay, what a trace through all this ecological theory is that humans must realize that everything is connected. so this realizing the profound interconnectivity of everything is really important yeah. uh, according to the arguments of the ecological theories that I have been engaged with. And then I returned, I, I went back to the data and read it and then surprisingly uh, so many people talked about connectedness. Mm-hmm. And that was really a new discovery for me. So that's something I really learned, learned in the PhD process. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about that in my practice beforehand. But it was like, because I just touched a little bit, read a little bit ecological theory, and then opening an archive box, and then it's just connectedness, 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 mm-hmm. in different ways, expressed in different ways. Um, and then I applied a philosopher called Kisari. Felix Guitarré, who has these, this conception that he calls the three ecologies, so that's mental, social and environmental ecology, and they are intertwined, but the argument is to reach or to um, experience environmental ecology, which is on a planetary scale, we must create a spaces of social ecology, which is informed by people of mental ecology, which are people that uh, understands the interconnectedness mm-hmm. of everything. Yes. So it goes back to that again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was uh, reading this material, this data and seeing that okay there is both some who talk a lot about relationship to self, you know how they p- understands this connectedness on a deeper level, especially experienced to the poetic self metrology uh, we have. We are through discovering the poetic and sensuous aspects of themselves, They trained a new mental ecology that understands the connectedness of everything. Mm. And there was data on social ecology very much about, I don't feel separated from other people. Is there any separation at all? Where do I end? Where do the Mm -hmm. others start? So social ecology. And then environmental ecology expressed as, "Eh, I'm just a particle of stardust. I was a global four million years ago, you know. Things that are like scientific natural facts, but we don't think about them in everyday Mm -hmm. life at all. (laughs) You know, and if we did, we would maybe perceive the world differently. So all of these three ecological levels were expressed. And so then that became my argument that um, in a way... uh, That yes, the census does support a more sustainable future because it evokes this sense of connectedness Mm -hmm. at both a mental, a social and an environmental level. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) I mean, it's
0: really a lot that that we are so interested in Mm -hmm. as well. The idea of um, connectedness and where also that... Maybe intuitively we have and it's still there when you're in the right um, space mm-hmm. where it's allowed, where you have the time mm-hmm. to go into into that, allow yourself to experience truly through the senses, through the sensuous. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is, I feel in our practice, there is a lot of uh, internal questions, experiences. it it, it does become very, internalized but it never uh, separates mm-hmm. you from the space or mm-hmm. from anything that mm-hmm. surrounds you if anything it connects you more to mm-hmm. it and you become more mm-hmm. aware of it and, and this uh, you t- talk about this like it, I would call it transformation because mm-hmm. when people leave they carry that experience mm-hmm. with them and they carry that as a ripple effect mm-hmm. into their everyday mm-hmm. life and of course it doesn't happen maybe through a big scale mm. because they've only had forty eight hours, mm. or and how mm. no matter how long this experience was, mm. but it's there and and it it arose like something came up and, um, yeah I think this is really beautiful that you can it has a transformational mm. power mm. and that is how you go about change mm-hmm. because you create this space where you as an individual can change.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, and that was so encouraging for me by reading ecological theory, because that's also why I don't refer to uh, sustainability theory, but Mm -hmm. ecological theory, because that explains the process towards sustainability. Mm -hmm. And it was so encouraging to read it, and then, because I started with Bateson's Steps to an Ecology of Mind, written in 1972, and so the whole idea is that we must train in humans an equality of mind which is a mind that understands the connectedness of everything i was like yes you know <laughs> and then that's just a trace through all ecological thinking yeah. like today's like a celebrated figure like Haraway and mm-hmm. her multi kinship it's all about connectedness yes. mm-hmm. and realizing that so i was so encouraged that they it wasn't systemic they didn't say first we must change it's not of course of course, that's important too, like the systemic, that we change like the govern, governmental like, procedures and mm. that we put taxes under it. Of course, that's important. But ultimately, it's like the individual humans and the way we think about the world that has to transform it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives also so much power to each individual, you know, that we are the drops in the ocean, but we the ocean consists of all these drops, you know. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's very, that was very hopeful and encouraging to read this. Yeah. 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 And also then, you know, these humans are situated in different places. One is maybe a minister or the, you know, or the I don't know, the president of the UN and can actually, some are decision makers, others are not, but we can make profound change where we are, you know, and like you say, these ripple effects, mm-hmm. you know yeah
1: And I guess that's also one of the reasons that we work in darkness. Mm-hmm. Like this thing of being um, acknowledging that there is more than just yourself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then this um, being able to um, to acknowledge that my body also extends into other mm-hmm. things and can also. Yeah, it has a history and it goes on to like mm-hmm. as you said, like a status, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: we call it matter in motion because mm-hmm. it it shall, we, we we remind ourselves from time mm-hmm. to time that we are made out of matter. Mm-hmm. of That's that's what it is. Everything around us, so it's all the same thing, and mm-hmm. it's just different formations mm-hmm. that constitute different individuals or different materials, different things, beings, and yeah, just to be aware of this connectivity mm-hmm. um, and also beyond a living connection yes. like living
2: beings but there's really we're connected with everything yes yeah yeah also objects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah 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 so that's yeah and this realization is so uh, so many people are so removed from it mm-hmm. so it's like and then so the encouraging thing is also how the senses and poetic can Awaken that like in, I think inherent knowledge it is mm. inherent, it's not something you add on, that, that awareness is there, it just needs to be awakened <laughs> you know, and we can do that through these spaces maybe that
1: leads into the next question which deals a little bit with the mm. pedagogical mm. Um, layer and in your PhD you write when we change our e- educational system we change the lives of many and mm. um, so I wonder, uh, how does that factor into like this the learning in a uh, centric society, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, maybe if you can explain a bit more of what is the potential of change in that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, so I think yeah, so so we have explored with Sisters Academy that project. We're exploring the school and education in a centric society. So, and in Centric City, we're exploring the city. But we started with sisters' academy, and the school, and education, and learning in essential society, and I think that makes a lot of sense, maybe also in retrospect, it happened organically, it just happened to be a school, but it makes a lot of sense, because, you know, in Danish you would call it dendelse, mm-hmm. but, or bildung, and I think mm-hmm. sometimes in English you also use the word bildung, because there's not really a proper translation, but it's the way... What we just talked about before, and maybe that's also why you think it was a good bridge, the way we think about the world, the way we are in the world, is also an educational process. Mm -hmm. So we awaken this sense of being matter in motion or being uh, constituted of stardust, everything. Learning that, that's a learning process. To awaken that knowledge, that's a learning process. And that's why I think education is important and why it made a lot of sense to uh, initially explore sensuous learning, what we call sensuous learning, which is learning through the senses, which is then awakening, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. among other this sense of connectivity. Um, so I think also when you read ecological theory, like steps to an ecology of mind, an ecology of mind, that's a learning process towards that. And, and, and it's true, when we change the educational system, we change the life of many, because then we structure learning processes in institutions. Mm. So it's these institutions that needs to inform, you know, on a grand scale. You know, they need to be informed or created in a way so this awareness is awoken, because that awareness is so important, because otherwise... You know then it becomes dystopia, then it's not the hopeful anymore. Then mm-hmm. it's like the world will end, you know, maybe potentially, or at least there is a lot of dysfunctional structures right now yeah. that is not beneficial for anyone, neither humans or non humans, mm-hmm. you know. So we must think about the world in a different way, and the educational system can do that on a large scale, mm-hmm. they can inform. And then sensuous learning, applying the sensuous and poetic, it's then one take on learning that I believe maybe would awake this, the proper steps towards an ecology of mind, right? Because through the experiments we experience that this happens in people, like you've experienced. And by the way, I also love darkness. I really <laughs> love darkness. <laughs> so It's so liberating. Yes. Yeah, it's so liberating,
0: yeah. I I read how you approached this whole learning um, process as well with the teachers when you did Mm -hmm. the interventions, how um, you included them, so it wasn't like you came as a group of people and then you started teaching, but it was actually the framework that you say that allowed the teachers to have a new approach to their teaching, and I think that is so wonderful, because we are stuck in a particular pattern of how to teach and in that certain things work but we leave out a lot of other things and then you open up a whole new potential for teaching and which might be maybe more interactive or or just yeah more sensuous and um, yeah this example of how the math teachers just grouped together and they decided i don't need to be a one person teacher i can be we can be together and through our collective teaching, Mm. then also open up this process. Mm. And that's really nice.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think that's really important also with the takeover intervention, that also as artists, you know, you come to a school, then you leave again, and then the school feels dependent. Okay, in order to open centers and poetic spaces, we need artists, because we don't, we are not (laughs) able to do that, which is a misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. Because like that other... um, that other inherent understanding of realizing that we are matter-in-motion, to borrow your expression, um, that's an inherent knowledge, I would argue. Likewise, the sensuous and poetic aspects of our being is inherent. So it is in everyone, it lives in everyone, it might. it's just not been spoken to, it's not been asked to come no. out. So when we create this framework of transforming the school, so using artistic tools that we know of installing set design, light, sound, creating a cinchous, pretty space for the school, and then the schedule continues. That's so important for us that it's not a theme week or a carnival and because then they don't know how to, then they would be, no, now it's gone, that's not, we couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. But no, the s- schedule continues. So within the existing structure, What can you do? And you can actually do a lot. And then we, as you say, work with the teachers um, everything between two years and at least half a year before, where they find a poetic self. They Mm -hmm. find their own poetic self. So they teach from their poetic self. And then they, you know, explore uh, new methods of creating, teaching math or And then, like you say, they intuitively Reach out to others because they're like, I don't know how to crack this. Can you help me? So they do all kind of different things to explore. What does learning mean if I have to teach it more sensuously? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So that's true. It's a good point yeah. that that's part of our method to do it that way. Yeah. So then they own it afterwards. They created it and it stays with them and they can implement it into the classroom afterwards because they created it, inspired by this framework, but ultimately they created it based on these questions that we asked. Hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah. I really like it because, in, 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 um, contrary to something like uh, Steiner or like some other like mm. education, someone who's maybe trying to approach the educational system Mm. in like another way and as like a a whole body Mm. that it's it's more like it's not something that you add on to but something that you rather open Mm. up like it's something that's already there it's already Mm. and this this i just find so beautiful yeah but there's nothing you need to uh yeah you you need to study and learn it's Mm. it's there Mm -hmm. like you have inside of you Yes
0: awakening the curiosity also Mm -hmm. like for for both teachers and Mm students i would presume that that this like okay so i open up and then there is all this yeah stuff inside of me that's bubbling and that that wants to come out in some way or other and just being curious about what that even is yeah and um well you talk about the poetic self and also how it's important for the teachers to develop this poetic Mm. self before going into the role of Mm. teaching in this framework. So what is the poetic self? Um,
2: How does one create one or become one? Yeah. So the poetic self is really central to the sister's performance method. So the poetic self, we call it um, not a fiction, not a character, Mm -hmm. just to make that clear, Mm -hmm. (laughs) not a role, Uh, but inherent. Poetic potential. So it's this poetic, sensuous potential that lives within all of us that we might or might not express in everyday life. Mm -hmm. And you could also call it the self of a sensuous society. So if we were living in a society based on the sensuous and poetic, maybe that would be a side of our being that we would engage more with, express more. Uh, Because currently, you know, We are governed by economic rationality, so generally it's another side of our being that's Mm. being nurtured or talked to. So yeah, you could call it the self of essential society. But then it's also, because it's also a performance method, so you find your poetic self. There is an exercise called the poetic self exercise, where a series of questions, you lie down, it's poetic meditation with closed eyes, the soundscape is on, and then a series of questions is, as to your inner, inherent life. And actually, it works <laughs> really well, because people get all these images and mm-hmm. feelings, and, and then after that, you write it down, and then you take a poetic self-name. So, so instead of, if it was meditation, you wouldn't take a name, you would leave it at that experience, yeah. but because it's also an artistic method, and performance artistic method, you take a name, you express it to the world, I am the wind, I am the secret, I am the child, whatever. And then the second level of the method is to externalize the poetic self. So you give it a visual expression. And that could be sort of like, okay, but then what does the wind look like? Am I only wearing silk? Am I blue? Am I painted? Am I... mm, Am I... mm? And ultimately, you build up a wardrobe for your poetic self. I have a whole wardrobe, (laughs) because if you have your poetic self for 10 years or 20 years, you know... Um, but you start by finding a strong visual expression, or, and that can be very theatrical, and it can be very subtle. That's up to the individual poetic mm-hmm. self how they want to express their poetic self. So there is no like costume guidelines or anything like that. <laughs> it's, it's, and that's also when you come to Sisters Academy, for example, you will see people some are very extravagant, big hats and. And others are just very, very subtle, you know, Mm. and because it's different how we want to express our poetic self. And then that second layer, the second layer, externalizing the poetic self is also creating a space. We call that a tableau. So it's like it could be this room. So it's. The externalization is what does the poetic self look like, but also what does the home, mm-hmm. of the, what is the room, and that becomes the tableaus and the manifestations. Mm-hmm. And that's also where each individual performer stands out. Mm-hmm. And uh, you could say then you, it becomes visu, visible what practices or preferences they have individually, yeah. you know, because it starts with their poetic self. And then the third layer is uh, relating from the poetic self. So now you have found it, you have named it, you have externalized it, but you're not an island, so you also relate to other people from Mm -hmm. your poetic self. You're not just a visual tableau being witnessed, you engage with the world from your poetic self, so that's relating from the poetic self. And then that's also, on a concrete level, the interactivity design of each poetic Mm -hmm. self. So if you come to a tableau, you would be received by that performer and she would... Take you through a design in her space, and that's that's also part of relating from the poetic self. Mm. And so for the teacher, it's also finding the poetic self, ext find externalizing it, and also the teaching the class. Yeah. Like how do I teach this class? That's in a way equivalent to the interactivity design if I have to base it on senseless learning. Mm. You know? Yeah,
0: it's it's lovely to to go through this. I mean, this journey to sink into yourself and then pick out elements and then create this it is another you but it's still you it's yes. just this uh, sensuous you yeah. and um, it reminds me a bit we do these imagination journeys mm-hmm. where we, we they happen in the dark and where we we develop we, we look for um, the you as an alternative uh, living organism which can, take on any shape, any color, any size, and we focus on how the senses would be located, where they would be located, mm-hmm. which ones would be stronger, which ones might be non-existent, mm-hmm. or new senses. And and taking also that and it's kind of like it's not the poetic self of mm-hmm. course, but it has there's a similarity yes. in this this journey and in the mm-hmm. inner and then Letting also things manifest and then going with that and expanding on it and letting it sort of grow on its own and taking yes. its own shape and then mm-hmm. you have, there is another version of you that is yes. that is existing for you, with yes. you, for others and it's really nice to, to explore
2: that. yeah Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I can really see the similarities yeah, yeah. <laughs> and understand why it's lovely yeah uh, yeah,
1: yeah. Yes. yes we also have a the actually the externalization of it i mean we trans we translate yes. it into a movement yes mm-hmm. and then
3: yeah
1: yeah figuring out okay how how does this new me move we can yes. which can be like a complete <laughs> a blank because it's such a abstract question yeah but yeah. then like you, have, you chew a bit on it, you move a bit, and oh, that was not the right way. And then mm. all of a sudden, oh, now you have something that yeah, that, yeah. that like that yeah. feels good. That feels yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. this feels right. Yeah. yeah. Um, something about language. Mm-hmm. Now you, you talked about the aesthetic mm-hmm. and the sensuous. Mm-hmm. You talked about that um mm-hmm. that choice of word that is when you say aesthetic, mm-hmm. you mean sensuous, mm-hmm. um, and also with um. Like all of your collaborations in how you archive, mm-hmm. uh, so that writing is a is like an essential part of both you. You're mm-hmm. writing your PhD, mm-hmm. of course, but also um methods of all of sisters mm-hmm. sisters. Hope maybe you can elaborate a little bit more on yeah um language. If you're finding a new vocabulary mm-hmm. or yeah. Uh, Yes. How important is that
2: to you? Yeah, that's quite important, but it and it has happened very organically. Mm-hmm. So I haven't been like, I've never been like, now I have to invent a new vocabulary. It's never been like that. It has just kind of mm-hmm. flown mm-hmm. into my language and the group's language, you know. So, um, for example, just calling it manifestations instead mm-hmm. of performance pieces or exhibitions, because mm-hmm. both of all, it's... Both within the visual art world, the uh, perform or the theater world, and you know, so it's cross aesthetic. Um, so and it's just manifestations. So it's also because it's dormant life. So sensuous society or the sensuous and poetic is always there, inherent. So it's dormant mm-hmm. sometimes. So manifestation is it's manifest. Mm-hmm. You know, then when we do the manifestations, it's also manifesting that dormant and sensuous and poetic life within us. Um, and then it's it's true also that this then developing a new vocabulary has also become, I think sometimes something we, for example, I have an example of exist, uh, because mm-hmm. that came up during the latest, um, where I touched upon it before, but we usually typically called it exit. Mm-hmm. Now it's time to exit. And it was so definitive, like now it's over, You where and for us actually because we work so much with anchoring integration the end is a new beginning or the end is mm. the beginning because now you need to go out and unfold it in your everyday life and spread it or you know manifest it the way it makes sense to you so then in an interactivity meeting uh, the performer the tamer said we can call it exist. it's time to exist and then that does it a lot and in 2015 that was a mode who was stepping into the protector of the archive, where we were creating an interactivity designer. That was the first boarding school of how to receive participants as students, and we didn't. And then numbers, like you said, with data was like number one. No, <laughs> so then the number system came up, where you know we have instead of zero, zero we call stone. One we call air, two we call infinity, three we call life, four we call magnet, five we call sun, six we call union, seven is earth, eight is water, nine is death. And half past is a crescent moon and a quarter is a fire. Mm -hmm. So that also really influences language a lot because instead of saying we meet at two, you say we meet at infinity or... We, we meet a crescent moon past water, or, you know, and this it's written in the students' uh, guidelines when they arrive, so they learn it, and we have no clocks, no visible clocks. Um, so only one by the octopus that has the number or the signs instead of the numbers. Um, so that's another kind of... It intervenes language mm-hmm. a lot, and time is very dominant. It's a very dominant structure and a very dominant... Um, what could you say, uh, in a society governed by economic rationality, the, the, the control of time, yeah. it's very like, linked to that reality. So just talking about time and being in time in another way. And also, yeah, so it's true that talking about so it's the language of time, a new mm-hmm. language for time, also intervenes our being yeah. Yeah. and our mode of thinking about things and being in things. So I think it will like continue to evolve that mm. it's, it very much comes from the groups and like sometimes different needs or you know, and then it's integrated into the language the one way or another. But then also because it's a new method. So with the poetic self, okay, so that's a word because we are like inventing our own method and then it comes with its own vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Do you feel that uh, changing language is also
0: part of this uh, changing education, changing self, um, carving the path to the (laughs) future, which is more sensuous? I
2: think it has impact. Mm. I think it does. um, At least within the framework of the manifestations, we can see, for example, with saying, please come before sun, or, you Mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. I think it does. It is one of the factors that, like time, that infiltrates mm-hmm. our life. And yeah,
0: don't you think? Yeah, yeah when you say yeah. exit and exist, yeah. I mean, both have very clear connotation. Yeah. And for me, the one is mainly negatively yeah. connoted, whereas the other one is positively yeah. connoted. <laughs> so, of yeah. course, if I'm gonna go out and exist with that word in mind, yeah. I feel that I'm carrying something positive rather than something yeah. negative. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, exit is not only negative, yeah. but that's how for me they are very strongly connoted these yeah. words and i would definitely be influenced by the one or the other yes yeah.
2: exactly yeah
3: mm, mm.
1: Yeah, we use it a lot in our practice as well to yeah. maybe not necessarily defining a vocabulary mm. but at least like some words just doesn't really fit mm. into what it is that we're trying to mm. communicate maybe there's a, like a little loophole for finding Finding other words that feel more like on point of what it is that we want to communicate with others. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, we did this, um, especially in the beginning um, when we started to uh, do our sensorial movement practice in the dark. We we thought about okay, we're moving from and with the senses. So how can you talk about that movement that is experienced and it's not because it can't be seen because it's happening in the dark so it can only be felt Mm -hmm. um and then how do you talk about something that then all of a sudden no longer has really form Mm -hmm. visible form Mm -hmm. and then we were really interested in this can there be a sensorial vocabulary can we put uh, yeah, new words on movements, mm-hmm. even though we know that a particular movement might look a, a, mm-hmm. in a specific way, but right now it feels a particular mm-hmm. way. So, can we actually express the mm-hmm. sensation rather than the form? Yes. And I think uh, probably some of that resonates also with how you
2: choose these words, right? Yes. And also, I think. Uh, it is true that because, again, we haven't lived in a sensuous society, so we don't have a very refined vocabulary mm-hmm. to ex- ex- to express the sensuous and poetic or the different aspects of that. We have a very refined vocabulary maybe to express uh, economics or, you know, a lot of words to, but not with the sensuous because we haven't lived it, so that vocabulary, it hasn't been the dominating paradigm, yeah. so that vocabulary has also been under-prioritized. Yeah. So I think it's true there's so much space to create a much more refined vocabulary to express what goes on uh, when immersed in the senses mm. and poetic.
3: Yeah. yeah.
0: Um. Maybe um, it would be nice to go into the activist aspect of the work. I mean you also use this as one of the main uh, terms um, mm-hmm. around the work and um, I was wondering, or we were wondering if activism is enabled because your work operates on the intersection of performing arts and intervention or how, how is it that activism is enabled mm-hmm. with your yes. work?
2: So I think, I think the whole, like I said before with the intention. So I think the whole um, because the work is based in an intention uh, foremost and that's the intention to democratize, the aesthetic, or to open the access to the sciences and predict to as many people as possible. So, because all the work is informed by that intention, I understand that to be an activist intention. Because within it, there is um, the yeah intention to there is a critique of current civilization, and there is an intention to create alternatives. Mm. And through this means of democratizing the aesthetic. So for the work to be informed by such a strong intention is for me also that it has an activist fundament of not only, and actually not only what you might call patching the wound, because our current civilization has created a lot of wounds on many different levels, like we talked about before, both social and mentally and environmentally. So this activism is not only patching one wound, one of these wounds, it's not only registering and, and patching it. It's trying to change the DNA of society. Mm. So it's trying to change the root causes. Yeah. So there are all these wounds, but can we change the root causes so they will heal yeah. instead of being so busy, busy walking around and patching one of them? Because there will just be new wounds mm. if society doesn't change. Mm. Uh, so And that for me is an activist intention. And then... Of course, you might also say that because we work interven inventionist, that then becomes a very visible tool mm-hmm. to transform contexts outside the art system. But for me, it's even more embedded in that deep intention to change the root cause of society um, or to inspire society to move in another direction and debate status quo. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
0: There is a lot of um care that comes across from from you like towards others society i mean this is uh, you are looking for something that will in- change our future will make it more sustainable and that sounds and seems very caring Um is that maybe something that you say is like a value that that is important to you that you use in your general everyday life and also in your artworks or do you have other values that inform
2: how you work yeah i have never (laughs) thought about it so much but i think it's true that that's i think at least for it's also sister's hope is called sister's hope so this uh, um yeah this thing about uh what Haraway would call spaces for ongoingness, mm-hmm. or we must create uh, practices and spaces for ongoingness in a wounded world, you know. So I'm definitely, I think, subscribing to that hopeful path, mm-hmm. and I, it's also true when I read the, the material, the reflective material, I'm so touched by people writing, for example there is one who is written tenderness, 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 or melting, 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 and that really mm-hmm. speaks to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe I do, but maybe it's also because I do have this longing for that in my own life, and maybe it's not completely fulfilled, <laughs> I don't know, you know. Mm-hmm. So also sometimes it's with value, or so if someone's something speaks to you or you desire it, um, it's maybe you know because it's also partly lacking in your own life. I don't mm-hmm. know. You could psychoanalyze that, mm-hmm. of course, but at least I'm touched by it and I'm I'm moving from it. And I'm also, for example, I have sometimes been critiqued that where is the antagonism? Where is the conflict? Where mm-hmm. is the? And it's really it's true. It's not so present. I move around that <laughs> yeah. I kind of navigate around that I don't and some people are more motivated to go into it mm-hmm. also artists and fingers and that's where the that's where it gets interesting but for me it's more interesting to navigate in a different way mm-hmm. and that's true you might call that a, a caring way or a tender way or a soft way and I'm touched also by this concept of radical softness because mm-hmm. because my work and my thinking is quite radical and it's it's not i really don't compromise for example when we move into the schools a lot of people want me to compromise mm-hmm. the teachers the leadership but i don't so it's in that way it's radical because it doesn't compromise this is the vision this is what we'll do and we'll do it this way but at the same time it's soft and kind mm-hmm. and caring So it has these two components, so that's why I like this uh, uh, radical softness. It's called radical softness because in that thinking, I I use it more broadly, but because society and the way we are together generally is in a society based in economic rationality is celebrating hardness, Mm -hmm. especially in a public space. You need to be, you know, Mm -hmm. tough on point, I don't know, whatever. There is this celebration of hardness so public softness is in itself radical that's what it's like in this theory that just having a soft body in public space today in this society is radical Mm. it's in itself like an activist act Mm. to display a soft vulnerable body Mm -hmm. so i think um, that's true that resonates with me and i think it's also yeah that's, that's It's true, and I also, yeah, conflict to me sometimes becomes very hard, but it's also if I should be self-critical, maybe I should dare to go into that space a bit more, I don't know, we'll see, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, but I don't find it so interesting, but maybe it's also, but I don't, I don't navigate into it either, mm-hmm. maybe there is something to unpack that I should be more curious about.
0: But it might just not be yeah. like direct conflict, but I think that it's still, I mean, you're still going against yes. the current, uh, as you say, status quo, all the paradigms of our everyday life, they are kind of uh, subverted in that moment,
2: so there is conflict with the, the establishment. There is And there very much is also when we do the interventions, because Mm. it's never easy. It's, you know, it's always, there is always someone who really dislikes it Mm -hmm. and really feels threatened and to whom we represent a lot of fear of the unknown. And also when we did sensuous governing in the municipality, we were so scary, even though we are so kind. We're so kind, but we were just the most scary because we... To that establishment represented the unknown, completely mm-hmm. the unknown yeah. and undecodable. What mm-hmm. is this? Mm-hmm. I can't put it into a box. Is it an event? Is it a happening? No, it's none <laughs> of those. It's an alternative way of life and we're living it right here mm-hmm. now with you and you know, we are in. It, we are awakening a sentient society right here in the city hall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People couldn't decode it, you know? Yes. So that's scary. So it's true. There is, In that way, there is a lot of antagonism.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah. I think that was a beautiful way to finish.
0: I think we also um, got into a lot of things. You yes. unpacked uh, a lot of things for us. Thank you so much for that.
2: No, I think really thank you for very good questions. And you I think you really got around a lot of (laughs) aspects of my practice and thinking as well. So thank you for that to both of you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this was really great.